high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. Our time with your hosts, Keith Barney. And Mike Indeglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, and stream it on Hulu. Rarely before has a time machine felt so enticing. Responsibly practicing social social distancing since episode one. <laughs> and welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, working our way through a 21-year-old show by David E. Kelly entitled The Practice. Uh, we are recording this on March 14th, 2020, so uh, if you're listening to this live, what a week it has been. Yes, and if you're listening in the future, which I'm guessing the bulk of our listens will come, I hope things have sorted themselves out uh, for you and yours, as this is a scary, a scary time for everyone, I guess. Yeah, it really is. It's sort of... Um... Thursday of this week, it all sort of came crashing down. And we're obviously, if you're listening to this in 10 years, you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? We're talking about the COVID-19 outbreak, um, which uh, this last Thursday was when they basically shut everything down. Um, The NHL, the NBA is down. Broadway went down, which for us is a really big deal. The multi-billion dollar cruise industry has decided to halt, cease operation. All of these things, you know, we joke about our our politics on this podcast. It is, and there is plenty of finger pointing and, and all kinds of arguments and conversations we will have in the future. As is, as things stand right now, as, as certain countries have been brought to a complete standstill, and the United States is starting to get wise and catch up as far as enforcing social distancing is, uh, it's it's an interesting time that you rarely see when the entire world is sort of trying to get on the same page to, to the, the only thing I, I can't stand for right now is people saying that everyone is overreacting. I think the time for that has passed. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's I'm usually somebody who poo-poos everything like this, mm-hmm. and uh, this one I've been taking seriously right from the very beginning, um, just hearing some of the scientific analysis, and then looking at who was supposed to be protecting us, I'm like, oh, we're, we're fucked, so I've actually been preparing for a while now, but... I tell you, tell you what, it was a rough week for me. I had a uh, probably the biggest reading event, prob- probably of my career, of my life, set up for Friday at noon. And I was counting down the hours before everything got shut down and I couldn't do it. And I missed it by 24 hours. 
Yeah, I mean, myself and my wife, I mean, we've, the math is is not spe- too specific, but, you know, we're we're down probably close to $10,000 in just gigs. Yeah. And, and this is, it has nothing, it, actually, quite the opposite. What I've, what we, we, a discussion we had last night, which I think is, is a, a good meditation for everyone, is that never before has something so quickly made me start thinking about my actions and how they affect others. It's very easy to say, hey, mm. you know, this is affecting me in XYZ ways, or saying, hey, I'm in a low-risk d- demographic, I'm probably not going to get sick, and if I did, it would be mild. But, right. you know, what they're, the, what they're communicating, I think, thank God, finally communicating very well, is that it's less about that and more about how my actions, be it from what I touch, where I go who yep. I interact with, affect other people, affect our, our elderly family, affect other people's elderly family. And I think Sanjay Gupta on CNN the other day uh, so prolifically put it, you really have to take stock of what you're doing and and don't just weigh the risk-reward for your personal health, but yep. for the people you're interacting with. So, Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And, um, you know, we all need to take stock. And it's, you know, it's funny, I, I realized because I was so disappointed about my personal thing this week that I realized that, oh, you know what? I was temporarily inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. Like, suck it up, buttercup. Like, there are people's lives actually at stake here and people's occupations and careers. And certainly, um, you know, this week, same day on Thursday, I got to do something, a life experience that I didn't expect to ever have. I unironically made a frantic phone call and said unironically stop the presses whoa uh, because uh my job i work for theatrical index which is a weekly uh sort of industry paper about broadway and i sent out the issue to be printed thursday at about twelve thirty, and at one o'clock they announced that all of broadway was shutting down <laughs> and which is catastrophic, truly catastrophic for the theater industry, but also made everything that was printed in that issue completely irrelevant. So I frantically called the printing press and said, stop the presses. Yeah, on the on the a very similar sort of wavelength, my job, to simplify it, is I work for a learning management system, which is a piece of software, online software, that enables online and distance learning K through 12. So my my workload, since, you know, a good portion of the country currently has told their children not to go to school. uh, And I, I foresee quite a bit more cities doing the same very shortly. Our, uh, our bandwidth, our capacity for messaging, our capacity for, uh, concurrent users, everything is being tested and and really basically everything I've been working for for the past decade is now <laughs> here we are. So Yeah, useful. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's well, both of us then expected to be sitting on our thumbs for a month and we're actually frantically busy. Yeah. Well, speaking of sitting your thumbs, if you happen to be one of the millions of people who will be uh, asked to either voluntarily or mandated to practice a self-quarantine or a social distancing for two weeks or more, the one industry not affected whatsoever is the podcasting industry. 
<laughs> because you have to actually be like make a difference in the world to have an effect. In order to be affected, you must have an effect. Yeah, I don't know if industry is the right word, but what better time to lock yourself in a room and listen to a podcast? Yeah, well, I hope that we can, you know, give you a little break from, you know, chain-eating CNN or whatever it is that your news source is, which I have been and went a little batty this afternoon, so I'm happy to take a break myself and hop back to a time where there were no such things as, oh wait, no, there were all of these things. In fact, you know, we've talked about it a few times on the podcast. We've used the word synchronicity about how various parts of our lives... Synchronicity! Or whatever word, I don't know. (laughs) Different parts of our lives and the show and or what was happening this day in the basement happen to line up with what's happening concurrently. And I find it oh so ironic, don't you think, that this Mm. week's episode, season three, episode 21, is entitled Infected. I mean, uh, are you kidding amazing. me? Yeah, seriously. Amazing. Well, speaking of synchronicity, one of the last shows to actually cancel themselves that I was tracking yesterday was a show called We're All Gonna Die. Oh, God. <laughs> that was the one that was going to stay open. Oh, boy. Well. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, we've got a few uh, things to do before we get started, starting with... Filings and subpoenas! Filings and subpoenas! Filings and subpoenas! Filings and subpoenas! Just a quick one this week. Uh, in fact, no words, just images. Our friend Benedict Schneider sent us a picture of a fan on Facebook, to which we should say, three, two, one, Fan! Uh, so thanks for that. It's uh, catching on, slowly but surely. It's catching slowly on. Slowly but got surely one. catching on. Maybe now, the, maybe not the right maybe not the right turn of phrase this week. Oh. <laughs> that's true. It has been transmitted to No, uh, no, no, that's no. not right. <laughs> it's gone vi- uh, no. No, no. Okay, no, forget oh, it. Oh, shoot. Something like that. Okay. It has been sneezed into our... F- no, that's not right. Keith, do you remember when literally 13 seconds before we started the episode, I was like, we shouldn't make light of this? <laughs> Good How, luck with that. Yeah, it lasted about 10 minutes. Uh, look, we all... These are dark times. We're all sort of freaked out and wondering what the fuck is going on and whether we have enough pasta. I definitely do. It's, it's okay to have a sense of humor about it. I agree. But I have news. And I have a bumper for it. Stop the presses! Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury! Now, I played that bumper. Now, did I play that bumper because somebody left us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting service? No, I did not. I haven't told you about this. But breaking news, here it is. Look at your camera. Uh Uh-oh. Keith has been summoned to official jury duty. Yes! The Out of Practice podcast will have its first jury duty. Uh, Which, actually, I'm excited about. Although, I don't don't know if it's going to happen. It's supposed to be for April 3rd, I start calling in. 
And I don't like the chances of that happening. Yeah, it feels not good. Jen just had the same, but she did not get called. Yeah, I, I, chances are pretty low. Uh, I'm disappointed because I frankly would like to be on a jury. Yeah. Both, you know, I feel like it's my civil duty. Uh, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy being part of the process. And it would be great for this. Now, so, but hold on. My biggest question is, let's say you were called and let's say you made it to voir dire. I yes. wonder if your participation in a criminal justice podcast, to really loosely turn that phrase... <laughs> Boy, that is pushing it. ...would prohibit you from or entice people to choose you for a said jury. A criminal justice podcast. <laughs> is that what you're calling this? I'm calling it a lot of things, apparently. <laughs> I think I'm probably safe... <laughs> On doing a TV show from the 90s podcast. I don't know. I just wish you have to... I I can only hope that you have to say it in front of official people. <laughs> I mean, I think doing a podcast at all might make them question whether I've ever, you know, had human interaction before. I'm very excited because I also have a new bumper this week that I haven't told you about, but I'm going to save it for later. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. All right. Well, that's exciting. Do you recall, oh, so many weeks ago when somebody asked us to reviewed us and asked us to chill out with the bumpers and we just keep writing new ones oh that's we're always gonna have more bumpers it's the best part like i look through the bumper list we have like seven of them we only we've only played once or twice so we have so many i would say if someone out there if there's a ranking of podcasts with the most bumpers we must be on that list we're working our way up to it we have another 170 episodes to uh keep adding bumpers All right. Well, speaking of bumpers, we are finally ready to hop blissfully into that time machine and ask ourselves what was going on this day in the basement. Okay, so we are talking about April 25th, 1999. What were you doing? I do not have the exact date in front of me, but I did some research uh, via the Google And it was about this time, probably a little bit earlier in the month, but around this time that I was officially accepted to Ithaca College and made my mind, yes, thank you, uh, made my mind up to go there. Now, future podcasts will show that I did not stay there very long, but I was blissfully unaware of my college ups and downs at this juncture. I was sure I was going to go there. Keith, I was accepted into, your brother will find this hysterical. Anyone listening to the quality of this podcast will find it hysterical. (laughs) I was initially accepted as a sound recording major. Really? With with a minor in vocal performance. Wow. I I mean, that sort of makes sense for what you ended up doing. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, like, what what does your week, you know, consist of? Recording, audio, and singing. That's true. So, both both on a on a very mediocre scale. So everything's you're right. It panned out just about where I thought it would. <laughs> well, Ithaca's a good school, has a really good theater program. Back when I was deciding between theater and opera, uh, I did look at Ithaca. I did sing in their uh choral department, uh, but I ne'er once auditioned for or performed on their theatrical stage. Oh. Well, but you became the professional so, you win. Uh, okay. 
Something like that. Right. And what about you, Keith? What, how was how were things out in Ratcha-Cha? Well, funny you say that. I actually know what I was doing at that point, and you can even hear what I was doing at that point. Ideally. I was performing in the Elixir of Love at the Eastman Opera Theater. This, uh, the choral singing you hear, I was a part of that. I was not this lead singer here. I was just a freshman. This is the actual, this is actually us performing Donizetti Opera. What was the the date on this? This was April of 1999. And I actually found the old CD. Amazing. That's the Eastman Philharmonic playing as well. Get it, girl. Okay. Well, that's what I was up to. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was fun. They did really elaborate productions there um, in the Eastman Theater, which is a thirty-three hundred seat theater. Um, this was cool. I was proud to be a part of it. Yeah, man, that's awesome. All right. Well, <laughs> that brings us to this day in the world. And we were listening to, again, No Scrubs by TLC. Continued to be the number one hit. The local paper, the Burlington Free Press, the headline was More Youths Use Crime to Fill Void. Yeah, I feel you. Even more today. And the top movie, interestingly, was The Matrix. Ah, finally. With a, with, well, with a comeback. It led for two weeks, then Life, the Eddie Murphy movie, took over for a week, and then The Matrix came back! Big, giant, sleeper hit, The Matrix. And that's what was going on in 1999, and we have nothing... Oh, Jesus. Okay, we're still doing this. Can you tell me Oh, I can indeed. Must you though? I guess so. We're playing the bumper. We all need to know. Was it hot? Did it snow? Tell me the weather from 21 years ago. Luckily, Keith, there was no quarantine in effect back in 1999. In fact, on this day, it was 59 degrees and sunny. Not a cloud in the sky here in Astoria, New York. Oh, how I wish that were the case. Actually, it's, it's actually much, a beautiful day today. It's beautiful. What are you talking but, about? Yeah, but it's, you know, you got to stay six feet away from people. You just can't go out without risking death. That's all. Yeah, you know, just just yeah. that. Just that. All right. And with that, it is time to talk about the episode. And we're all done talking about the disease. It's called Infected. Oh, my goodness. Season three, episode 21, Infected. Written by our good friend David E. Kelly and directed. Do you know who directed this one? I don't. I usually wait for you to tell me. It is directed, wait for it, by Dylan McDermott. Oh, Dilly. 
Dylan McDermott directed this episode, and this is one of only two things he has ever directed in his life. Wow. So the first <laughs> cast member to direct an episode. Boy, it's uh, I'm pretty excited, and it makes me wonder... supposed to be what's your problem is this what happens to women when you insert your penis what what does mike think's gonna happen you know what if he would have drank the curdled milk then what would have you know it's actually lining up pretty well because this week i feel that it's not a stretch to guess that we must pick up where we left off last week last week we left off or maybe it wasn't last week, but it was recent. No, because last week was uh, poor Lucy being videotaped. Right. But recently, we saw the case where uh, Sean from Boy Meets World was possibly involved in a murder. His his dad killed his mom. There was right. some lying back and forth. And at the very end of the episode, uh, he was, instead of being accused of perjury, he was arrested for murder because Helen Gamble was pissed off uh, about losing. And now uh, our own Eleanor Frutt will have to defend him in said murder trial. So my prediction, I think we're going to pick up that case, and I think that we're going to focus solely in on that case so that Helen, Eleanor, I said it again, Eleanor... Uh, is the focus of the episode, and we don't see a lot of Dylan McDermott because first time behind the camera, I feel like he's not. It's 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 very difficult to direct and star at the same time. So I think that Dylan's going to be smart and remain out of the episode himself. Ah, oh, very wise. He's going to very practice wise. some social distancing from the actual episode. Ah, uh, the one thing nobody here wants to be socially distanced from Dylan McDermott. Ain't that the truth? Okay, well, before we do that, we're going to air this appropriate PSA. To stop the spread of infectious diseases, we all need to do our part. Some germs can spread easily from person to person through coughs, sneezes, hugs, and handshakes. One tool to stop the spread of germs is social distancing. In a severe disease outbreak, health officials may ask you to stay at least three to six feet away from others to keep germs from spreading between people. Even if you are well, others around you may be sick. Do your part. Stay healthy. Keep your distance from others. Season 3, Episode 21. Infected. Basically, felony murder. If in the commission of a felony, murder happens, they can get you for murder even if it's accidental. Intent doesn't matter. What was my felony? Your attack on your father. The DA is calling it aggravated, which brings it up to felony. Ryder Strong is back as a killer kid. Felony murder. It's completely bogus, Gary. She is punishing you for refusing to testify against your dad. Well, can this stick? I'm bringing a motion to have it kicked, and I hope the judge... Why didn't you tell me they could do this? It's an outrageous charge. She is angry. You told me that I was facing perjury, Eleanor. That's what you said. And now I'm going up on murder. Why didn't you tell me? I'm going to take That's care of it. fair question. She Very fair. She didn't commit the crime. It is completely punitive. I'm going to take care of it. Forget it. 
Come on, Helen. You your know kid this... made a choice, Eleanor. My kid? I took him at your request to advise him against perjury. You never threw out cool, the possibility of felony murder. Because I hadn't thought of it then. This is prosecutorial misconduct, and you know it. Eleanor, bring your motion. I'm not letting him go. Helen seems very... You've lost like she's got way. a personal sort of vendetta here. Somebody was murdered. Somebody's gonna pay for it. That's my way. She looks like she should have gotten, gotten that mud bath after all. Okay, well, so far you're right. We are diving right back into that case with Helen's vendetta. We're gonna find out what happens. I'm intrigued. Yeah, well, it's, it seems like Helen's pretty far out on a limb, but Eleanor did kind of screw up by not anticipating that that was possible. It wouldn't I mean, be to the be first... fair, I didn't either, but she's a lawyer. It wouldn't be the first time that Helen brought her, her personal past into a case and got really passionate about it. <clears throat> yeah, well, they all tend to make it pretty personal on this show. Yeah, that's fair. You know she's crazy. She's not crazy. She's just a little motivated. So, uh, we're continuing on with the kid? Well, I guess I'm still his lawyer. This is a nightmare. Thanks, Anybody exposition, Jimmy. <laughs> I got Sybil Boyle from the PD's office. They got a guy who's fired six lawyers. Trial starts tomorrow. They're looking to Jack. Tell him thanks, but no thanks. Love a Jack. I'll do it. Attempted murder beats paperwork. You know, Rebecca, when you were office administrator, you'd kick and scream at all the pro bono stuff now that you're a lawyer. Like you all say, it's good experience. <clears throat> well, I got her on hold here. Yeah, tell her I'll do it. Okay. All right, Rebecca's getting a murder case. It'll be fun. She was convinced she'd look better she with deserves it. cheekbones. I thought it ridiculous, but... But your wife wanted that. Fan? Yes. And so she went in I'm to wrong. get implants. Bobby Donald's they here. told us it would be pretty routine. You are. They being... Dr. Leach and the others at the hospital. She went in on a Monday, had the surgery on Tuesday, and came home that day. And everything seemed okay? Well, she was swollen and in some pain, but they gave her medication. You know, it's interesting, in that shot there, we see the house right side of the, course room, of the courtroom where the big fan was. And the big fan is usually on the house, the house left left. Yeah, That's right. Or they just... Good catch. Yeah, did some weird horizontal flip, but that was... Seemed stupid. okay until Wednesday night. What happened then, sir? She complained about having a fever, and then suddenly just blacks out. Now, fever being a very important symptom of COVID-19, so she should definitely get the test, which De is readily available. <laughs> readily available, except you can't get it anywhere. Google's working on it, except Google has nothing to do with it. <laughs> It's going to go away, except, I mean, I it's going to get much, much worse, and also came. I have it now. They, Because uh, I licked every person who came into Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Mar they brought out those shock paddle things and started uh, jolting Defibrillators. Her. Nope, that's not it at all. And then they stopped. Let's hey, see right, defibr defibrillators. <laughs> Can Mike and or Keith pronounce the word? Defibrillators, yes. <laughs> defibrillators. Defibrillators. Yeah, that's right. Defib defibrillator? Yeah. <laughs> Neither of us is confident. <laughs> Let's go with shock paddle. Uh, defibrillator. Defibrillator. She was gone. Oh, by the way, we should Did probably... Dr. Leach... <laughs> 
guy that we have talked over his entire testimony. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Who is it? It's Drew Snyder uh, from okay. Firestarter, Nixon, Commando, and War Games. Oh, boy. To offer any explanation. He said she got an infection. From the operation? He didn't know. He said she could have gotten it at the hospital or she could have gotten it at home. He said these things happen sometimes. They but sure you believe do. Dr. Leach did something wrong? Yes. Why, Mr. Minor? The way he told me, the way he cut our conversation short ever since, the way he wouldn't talk anymore. He did something wrong. So we have a lawsuit against a doctor who's performing surgery and the patient died. And if I'm not mistaken, the anecdotal testimony there was that he could tell by the way he informed him that there was a complication that he he fucked up. Yes. Also, I don't know if we heard it yet, but they were doing a cheek implant surgery. So okay. it was elective plastic surgery. Uh, I guess now is as good a time as any to let people know that I have a, uh, a head cold. So don't 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 worry about me. Just be sure to Lysol your phone when you're done listening. Yeah, definitely do that. Lots of moving cameras for Mr. Little, here. my name is Rebecca Washington. I'm your new lawyer. All I right. understand you've had Rebecca's client. First murder guy we're gonna get off for Rebecca. Yeah! This guy is Rockman Dunbar, who I certainly am a fan of from Prison Break. He was also in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, 911, The Path, The Mentalist, Sons of Anarchy, and Earth 2. This guy has had an amazing career. Some difficulty with your six previous lawyers? Anything in particular they got wrong? I, I like to get a head start. I didn't like them. Okay, well, uh, since your trial starts tomorrow, I need to get up to speed. So, according to the officers, you fired a revolver at them. Did that happen? He is pretty uncooperative no. currently. Okay, two officers are testifying it did. Do we have anybody on your side to say it didn't? No. Okay. This charge is clearly punitive. The district attorney has no good faith belief that the defendant is guilty of cool felony murder. The defense counsel mm -hmm. has no foundation to evaluate my good faith belief. She was prosecuting the father for murder. The defendant admitted to attacking his father, causing the gun to go off. But you don't believe that, Helen. Oh, you argued to the jury. Reader. No, I have ears. Fan. You stood in front of the jury and you said that Gary Armbrust was making this whole thing up to spare his father a life sentence. Counsel, these are questions of fact. The boy stated under oath he assaulted his father. That's enough for me to hold him. Even assuming that to be and true, that felony voice murder you recognize. still doesn't apply. Repeat. Yeah, I'm interrupting the scene again. Because that judge is David Ogden Stiers. Or Steers. Is it Steers or Stiers? Stiers. Stiers? I don't know. I made that up. Oh, thanks. Well, he is a three-time Emmy nominee legendary actor from M.A.S.H. 
He was also in Beauty and the Beast, Pocahontas, The Dead Zone, Two Guys, A Girl in a Pizza Place, and he played Timokin in a heartbreaking episode of Next Generation called Half a Life. Star Trek, where the hell is it? I never find it. There it is. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. That law was designed for robberies or kidnappings, rapes, felonies for which it is foreseeable that a murder could result. You charge a man with a gun, it's foreseeable it could go off. I would also remind the court of the merger doctrine. The felony act has to be independent of the killing for a felony murder to apply. Here, it was the alleged felony itself that caused the death. And Massachusetts has never recognized the merger doctrine. Can I finish? Actually, you have. I'm denying the motion to dismiss. Uh, charges stand. The defendant will be held without bail. We can conference Wednesday to set a trial date. This is a railroad. What? Excuse me? This boy is being charged with a crime we all know he didn't commit. Well, next time he should think better of confessing. Next case. Snap. Wow. She had gone into septic shock. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm not saying this as a criticism. I'm just saying that I hope that it feels a little... Like, either Helen or Lara Flynn Boyle is is overplaying this outrage. So I hope that the inevitable reason why she's so personally invested earns it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Helen is suspiciously overwrought. Yes, she's screaming a lot. That led to full cardiac arrest which ultimately was the cause of death. And doctor, do you have an opinion as to what caused Mrs. Minor to go into septic shock? The blood tests show a massive infection caused by streptococcus bacteria. Mm. This would explain why her fever spiked. And doctor, do you have an opinion as to how Mrs. Minor became exposed to this bacteria? It had to happen during her cheekbone implant operation. Uh, The likelihood is there was some contamination in the operating room. Mm. You can establish that for a fact? Well, we can't say it to a medical certainty, but since all other explanations have been eliminated, I... No autopsy was done on the patient, was there, Doctor? No, and there should have been. Well, without an autopsy, we can never really know for sure what killed Mrs. Minor, can we? When a post-operative patient goes into septic shock, within 48 hours of the operation, we Move to strike! Overruled. People should not die from cosmetic surgery. Did you ever examine Mrs. Minor, Dr. Reynolds? No. You ever meet her? No. Ever see her body after the death? No, but that has... You answered the question, sir. Are you being paid for today's testimony? Objection. Overruled. Are you being paid, sir? Yes. How much? $7,500. Wow. How many court cases do you testify in per year? Objection. This is completely irrelevant. I'll allow it. How many cases, sir? I have no idea. More than 50? Probably. In fact, that's what you do, isn't it? You're a hired gun who goes from courthouse to courthouse. You are on every plaintiff About attorney's 50 list. Fifty times a year. Objection. Sustained. Bucks a pop. You have no evidence. That's yes, good that's, money. That's more money than we make. <laughs> that my client did anything negligent, do you, sir? I when think they know that. When one of his patients dies, please answer the question. I'm not asking for any assumptions. You cannot point to any specific incidents of negligence with respect to Dr. Leach, can you? No. I wasn't in the room. I do have to say it's effective, though, Keith. I'm putting myself in the juror's box right now. If you point out how much, even though I know that these these doctors or these some of these uh, witnesses get paid, 
by quickly juxtaposing how much money they made and and pointing out that he never actually saw the autopsy, saw the witness, yeah. saw any of that. It's it's an effective strategy. Well, he has an incentive to come up with a conclusion, a financial incentive. But uh, let's do this. I know that lawyer from somewhere. That attorney grilling him is played by Paul Collins, who was in Show Me a Hero with Jillian. Uh, he was in Dave, Jag. He was on Deep Space Nine. He played Jalango in Battle Lines. But the interesting... Unnecessary His Star most interesting Tra- credit, especially in the same episode of David Ogden, Ste- Steyer Steers who uh, played Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast in a Disney Disney movie. Paul Collins was the voice of John Darling in 1953's Peter Pan. Wow. Hey, while we're stopped, should we talk about who the accused doctor is? Uh, sure. The accused doctor is Lawrence Pressman. From Heart of Dixie, Shaft, Transparent, he was also on Deep Space Nine. And uh, in the movie Nine to Five, and he did ninety-seven episodes of Doogie Howser. He hasn't talked yet, but we'll point him out when he talks. They keep showing his mug, so I feel like we. I was going to visit a friend. Rebecca's case. At three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then. I heard shots. I ran. They grabbed me. What? That's not in there. Those other six lawyers didn't take notes. The police said you. I know what they said. Ooh, clipping. Didn't happen. Okay. The friend you went to see, you never saw him. I had the wrong address. Okay, can you tell me anything else? Nope. Okay. I want you to think about something. That building was dark. The police were shooting. Self-defense is a possible option. I said I didn't do it. Are you deaf? Are you deaf? Yeah. No, I'm not deaf. Boy, Lisa Gay Hamilton's doing a great job with that. So good. Given your uh, felony record, so much nonverbal acting, showing both strength and vulnerability in the same glance. All your priors can come into evidence. So for now, I don't plan to put you in the witness chair. Slow fade to black. Slow fade. Slow Thank fade. You for seeing Just me. like us. I thought if we all got in a room, I think we can all agree there's been a certain level of frustration at work here. Why are Welcome you frustrated, back. Mr. Welcome Hunter? Back. You got Saul me for your client. Yes. If you who proceed to try Gary for felony murder, that would obviously be pretty disturbing for Gordon. And who knows, he might even get up there and testify that he shot his wife of his own accord. No provocation from Gary. In which case I go after him for perjury. This really is not about threats. I came in here to make an offer. Certainly, if Gordon did give that testimony, implicating himself in a crime for which he's already been acquitted, then double jeopardy would mean... Get out. Here is the offer. Gordon will accept a year on a perjury charge. I'm sure Ms. Frutt can convince Gary to accept a one-year sentence also on perjury. That means no one walks off free, and the public and you can feel some sense of vindication. How dare you come in here and even suggest that? Helen. And you. Look, I didn't know what he was going to say. He's the guy you want. A year is better than nothing. Your guy's getting life, Eleanor. Life. As for you, I'll figure something out. You're not going to figure out. Get out, Mr. Hunter. I am making an offer. I said get out. 
Well, if you remember the last time we saw her, she was like falling onto her floor in tears. Yeah, that's true. Can I talk to you outside in this case for a second? When she yeah. came off where she, the guy who killed the nun you got off scot free. With this. She Don't lost that case. Please leave. Cameron's giving her the, you're a mess, but I won't say anything face. There was some Lots kind of, of panic. Lots of this episode. By panic, you mean? Many, many, Dr. many. Dr. Leach came rushing in. It was about 20 minutes after the call that Mrs. Minor this was nurse dead. nurse played by Drea Weber. He huddled up with Dr. Morganson, chief of staff. Did you hear what was being said? Objection, hearsay. Excited utterance? I'll allow it. What did you hear, Mrs. Henderson? Well, Dr. Morganson was already upset is over it, another patient who died. Is it me, Keith? Or it's is not this like him to episode thus far been action-packed? We're going courtroom shot, courtroom shot, to courtroom shot. No yeah, real so, personal drama here. We're going, it's all legal. Yeah, yeah, so far, yeah. I like it. Well, you know, that's not he true. The here. personal drama's there. It's just being told teams. through the case. Correct. Which like I, with Helen. Yeah, which I like. Good story, And he wanted an M&M conference that very night. The question remains, will we jump to a bizarre, out-of-character Jimmy comedy scene in the office somewhere? <laughs> will Jimmy, like, propose to a potted plant or something? Yeah. What's an M&M conference? It's a mortality and morbidity conference. Doctors convene secretly to discuss the cause of death of patients, often for unexplained deaths. Do you know the results of this meeting? No, the contents are secret. Nobody but the doctors ever finds out what goes on in there. Thank you. Gee, you make it sound like a big conspiracy. M&M conferences are routinely held at hospitals, aren't they, Nurse Henderson? Yes, but this was... Thank you. And one of the reasons that they have these meetings, among others, is so that doctors can freely swap information to learn. Isn't that correct? Yes. They have these meetings whether things go wrong or not. They seem to have this one in a hurry. Well... Is it possible Dr. Leach was upset about the death and he wanted to find out quickly if something went wrong? Is that possible? Yes. And here you are presenting a doctor's concern about his patients as something incriminating? Doctors have two kinds of expressions. One is concern for the patients. The other is concern over liability. This seemed to be the latter. So, you well, base today's testimony on your ability to read an expression. I was there, Mr. Walton. Something was wrong. But you weren't in that operating room, were you, Mrs. Anderson? Yeah, no, isn't there I a wasn't. nurse we can call? Well, I, I was thinking Thank the exact same thing. There were definitely other people. We had driven into the middle of a gang shootout. We pursued several suspects Rebecca's on case. foot into an apartment complex. We entered into a lobby area and we became immediately under fire. Did you see who was Peter firing at you? That man. Oh. Just a little, just a little. Judge, this man is lying. Your attorney will have opportunity to cross-examine. You will remain quiet. What happened next, okay. officer? Okay. We returned fire. You recognize that voice? That's Paul Dooley back as Judge Swackheim. So that's interesting. Very interesting. Also, this is not a courtroom we've seen before, I don't think. Uh, I think it is. This is like the shittiest courtroom. Come on, why is my Where they... button not working? Fire, at which point he dropped his gun and began to run for the stairwell. We entered the stairwell. We encountered him coming down. We told him to freeze. 
He took off up the stairs. We pursued him and caught him and placed him under arrest. I, I never had a gun. Just a little. I never had a, a gun. I wasn't even on little. that balcony again. I was just going right, down the stairs. Take him out. People like you need to respect this room. This isn't the street in here. You don't get away with that. Well, Washington, I'll see you in chamber. Our client is not that much in control of himself. Yeah. He was just removed from the courtroom. Mr. Thompson, you too. Rebecca's keeping her cool problem, so well, though. Yes, Your Honor, and for the record, yes. I don't think you handled that too deftly. Yes, she really What is. should I have done? Asked him about his childhood? His mother? Hmm? Hmm? So here's your problem. In addition to his general scumhood, his yelling in court, in my mind, is the equivalent to testimony. The DA is now free to cross-examine him. Just hold on a second. He yelled that he was not on the balcony and that the officer was lying. That's testimony. But he wasn't under oath. The jury mm -hmm. heard him. If you force him to take the stand, all his priors can be admitted. Well, isn't that tragic? Your Honor, at this point, I don't want to cross-examine. This case is pretty straight for us. The last thing I want to do is give them grounds for appeal. And you forcing him to take the stand? Well, that's your call. But for the rest of the trial, his hands are cuffed to the chair and his mouth is taped. Your Honor, that would be his so mouth prejudicial. Is it's not up for debate. Pretty sure you can't do that. Well, I guess if you can make somebody take when their pants off and died, show their dick to everybody, it's probably <laughs> fair to tape <laughs> yeah. their mouth. In addition to being right. my patient, Touché. Mrs. Minor was an extraordinary person. We were all quite fond of her. Dr. Leach, what happened? I don't know. Cheek doctor. We've been through the procedure over and over and over. Lawrence Pressman. Everything went according to plan. Nothing indicated... You've heard the suggestion that Mrs. Meyer may have picked up the infection during this procedure. The room was sterile, Mr. Walton. Whatever happened to Mrs. Minor, it didn't happen in that room. Well, could she have gotten the infection elsewhere? I don't know what happened after she left the hospital, what happened at her home. My dialogue with Mr. Minor stopped at that point, so... All I can tell you, whatever caused her to die... It didn't happen in that room. Sometimes people die, Mr. Minor. And sometimes there's no explanation as to why. People don't just die. Mr. Minor. They don't just die. Mr. Minor. Doctor, please don't address the plaintiff. Yeah, I mean, what's with the conversation? This judge isn't going to go for any of that stuff. You have to stay quiet. Well, lucky the DA didn't take him up on his offer and put you in the chair to be crossed. Can you at least look at me? If your prior felonies come out, you can forget it. You got two assaults, one with a deadly weapon. That's all the jury needs to hear. Now, I'd like to take a shot with a plea. If we can get eight years, I think we should take it. You're still deaf. Byron, I'm not saying... You did it, but with the evidence. I did do Okay. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. He just threw the table, and it hit Rebecca and knocked her on her ass. So at this point, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Well, I mean, he's clearly dealing with a mental health issue. Yeah. But now he's assaulted his lawyer. He has actually literally assaulted his lawyer 
She played that awesome too. That's not a stunt woman. She took that. Bet you hear me now, huh? I bet you hear me now. Bet come here. Come here. But she did me. play that. Get off of me. Get off of me. Get off of me. She's doing. Lisa Gay Hamilton does such good nonverbal acting. Okay, we're hanging out with Helen. She is not in a good place, Keith. No, no, hey, she's not. Don't start. I'm gonna start. Lindsay's wearing PJs. Lindsay. Just listen for That's first, not okay? my new bumper, but it is a new up. bumper. <laughs> you don't believe that kid had anything to do with the murder. You're punishing him because he screwed up the prosecution of the father, and in part, you're punishing Eleanor for not convincing him to stick to the truth. You're coming from anger. Don't tell me. But... I will tell you, because I saw it. I know what happened to you when you lost. Yeah, that we saw killer. it too, Helen. Come on. And I could see what was happening when this case started to go south, and I see you now. And I know how this thing will play out. If you try him on felony murder, he's going to stand up and tell the real truth, which will be consistent with his statement to the cops and his testimony at the prelim. You will never get past reasonable doubt, and you'll be stuck going after him for perjury six months from now. Keith, we all need that one friend who tells him the truth. Let him cop to the perjury now. Then go to the gym and hit the heavy bag. It's the only thing you can really do. That's really good advice. Why don't they have a sexy food fight now? Helen? Bobby should show up. Right. He just walks in. He's got a key. Walk in. Unannounced. Do this anymore. Do what? This job. Ooh, we're having the existential crisis mid-episode now. Helen... Instead of at the bar at the end. This is just a couple of flute cases. It sounded like she said, just a couple of flute cases. Okay? Yeah, I thought I heard that too. <sighs> Fine. In the case of the flautist, Fine. we find the defendant very musical. <laughs> I don't want you flouting the rules. <laughs> If you're gonna piccolo a fight with me, oh, that's where we draw the line. Conference the very night Mrs. Minor died. Because, as I explained, her death upset me. Food fight. I wanted to make sure we didn't cause it. Did you? No. That was the conclusion reached in the M&M conference. Objection. Those meetings are sealed. Counsel is trying to get the witness to waive the privilege. If about- it's no. It's no. I object to the trick. He knows the meetings are secret. He's trying to exploit the secrecy to make us look like we're hiding something. Are you a fortune teller now? All right. Sustained. Mr. Donald, continue. You wanted the meeting that night because you were urgent to find out what happened. Yes. Did you recommend to Mr. Ma- now, I have an important question here, Keith. Yeah. Dylan McDermott is wearing a, a suit. It's not double-breasted, but it's got three buttons, Okay. Okay. Now, when you have a, a dual-button suit, as most are, you've got the always-sometimes-never, right? Right. I believe he is with... Uh, he's wearing... He's got the two top buttons buttoned, but the bottom button unbuttoned. Is that is that okay? I don't know. I also don't remember if I've made this joke or not. Uh, but for me, if I have three buttons... Being fat, it's just can't, can't, can't. Hey, you haven't. That's a good one. <laughs> Meanwhile, you should take a look at Eugene in the I corner of this frozen picture. Oh, hard eye roll. didn't seem to want that. <laughs> My question is, did you recommend it? I don't think I did. In fact, 
Didn't you say to Mr. Minor and his daughter, we can do an autopsy if you want, but it won't bring her back? Weren't those your very words? I don't remember, but it's possible I said that. Sounds almost Ooh, like that's you a were shitty discouraging an autopsy. The blood work reveals she died of the bacterial the infection. But you didn't that know any... that at the time you discouraged the autopsy. I didn't discourage it. I just didn't push for it. You didn't push for it. That doesn't go with this urgency to find out what happened. Was the urgency to conceal what happened? No, that isn't what Why happened. Why is Dr. Morganson so upset? Did he know Mrs. Minor? He was upset because another patient had died. And this news on top he of that... He knew something went wrong, didn't he? Objection. Patients don't just die from cheek implants, do they, Dr. Objection. Lee? Objection! Something went wrong. Mr. Donald. You say you want to know what happened, but you don't urge an autopsy. There's a late-night secret meeting. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Mr. Donald, that's enough. Is it your testimony that you have no idea how she got this fatal infection. That's my testimony. Mm. Leads to perjury, we go right Wasn't to sentencing super convincing today. There, I'd buddy. want to be heard. You can be heard, but why rush it? We might as well we do it now or there's no deal. It's just, I want this to be over. And you should want it to be over too. Because the longer I live with it, the angrier I... There's an offer before you, take it or not. We need to get this lady some CBD. What would I get for perjury? <laughs> it's discretionary, but I think I can make a pretty decent argument to the judge. And we have to decide today? There is really no decision, Gary. If we don't plead to the perjury, then the felony murder charge doesn't get dropped, and we can't risk that. They've got you dead to right on perjury anyway, so there's no real reason not to jump at this. Why do the sentencing today? The DA wants to put this You're behind in jail, her, dude. so do you. Now, there's a chance we can get you out of here, so let's just do it. Yeah, but the sandwiches are good. <laughs> okay. You know, there's a I fired big, several shots. Uh, on the bottom of the, the phone there, there's a big logo for, logo for Nortel. Did they really want product placement for an inside prison behind the glass phone there? Hey, big market. Yeah, fair enough. Now they the got stairway. Rebecca's the client yes. duct taped mouth shut. Then entered the stairway in the lobby floor. Shackled to the chair. Him to a chair. He started going back up, but we caught him. However, pause it right there. Soon- that cop. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before, but now you get twist the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that. I saw you in season two and you made your demise. At first you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a goatee. You may be fooling someone different, but you don't fool me. We're not here to judge, but you just might be. Welcome back to the practice tonight. That is Gordon Michaels, who previously played an ADA in the civil right. And he will come back, not once, but twice more as two different characters, so get ready for the jingle. I love that jingle, not only because it's an excellent jingle, but because it shows our diversity, Keith. Not only do we Mm. have more bumpers than any person, any podcast needs, but we like to run the full gamut of genre. You know what I mean? of course. We've got some jazz, we've got full-out rock, and there we have our first patter rock song, so... We really get it all in there. Right, right, and opera, we've got it all. Oh, opera, yeah, we really cover all the bases. We're mediocre at everything. As you entered the lobby. That's correct. And you immediately returned fire. Yes. At which point he dropped the gun and ran into the stairway. 
We don't have many cover songs, but just wait. Oh, well. Yes. <laughs> any prints on the gun? None that were usable. The look you got of him on the balcony, that was three, four seconds? I suppose that's about right. With a gun barrel pointed in your direction. Yes. And the stairway was behind him. Is that not right? Yes. So he turned and ran with his back toward you. I suppose. You suppose? Did he backpedal or did he turn and run? He turned and ran. And how were the lights up there on the balcony? We got a good look at him. It was dark, wasn't it? We saw his face. You say we like you're speaking for Officer Gibson. Did you two go over your testimony? Objection. Sustain. You said in your statement there may have been others on the balcony, but it was too dark to tell. Was that your statement? Yes, but we got a good look at him. You don't settle down, Mr. Little. I'll remove you. Don't think I won't have you hauled right out of here. A lot of anger issues in this episode. Oh, look, Bobby went to somebody's door. Mr. Stanton, I'm Bobby Donald. I called. Mr. Stanton, I'm Bobby Donnell. I have two questions. One, am I doing a good job directing? Two, uh, do you live in the same house as every other person's house who I've visited in the past two seasons? <laughs> well, they have two options. They have the rich person's huge house or the apartment that on the street that opens up on the ground floor. Those are your only two options. Our information this shows is the rich that house. your daughter died on the same day. There's been testimony that the chief of staff was very upset about it. I'm not entitled to see her medical records without your permission. And what does Carol's death have to do with your case? Well, maybe nothing, but that's what I'd like to find out. I'll like stare into my baby sleep, blues. Sir. Mr. Stanton, a woman died here. I'm a woman just... died? That's why you're here? You're concerned about a woman's death? Yes. My daughter died, Mr. Donald. We're finally at a point where our lives have resumed and you happily come along to dig it all up because of your deep concern over stuff. No, he's here about money. What are money. you pissed off about? Yeah, you let him come in. He told him he was coming and what he wanted to talk about. And now you're like, how dare you? Just trying to represent some people with a claim against a hospital. Daryl. Oh, that was a loogie and a half. That was a full loogie he just spit on Dylan's that face. That was a big, giant, disgusting spit that I can't believe... That Dylan let himself, he did that to himself. He's like, you know what? It's my first, my first gig as director. So you better spit the fuck on my face. Keith, you better spit the fuck on my face. Now, I, I'm very uncomfortable. For an episode <laughs> entitled Infected and where we're pushing social distancing and safe hygiene, that is, do not, that is bad. <laughs> don't, do, yeah, really, really don't, don't do that. But we should. If you spit on Bobby Donald, you get introduced. Lugier. The Lugier is Marcelo Tuber from G.I. Joe Retaliation, the West Wing ER Leprechaun 3. He was uh he played Acost Jared <laughs> in The Devil's Due on Next Generation. Star Trek. And his and the wife is Amy Warner. Sorry, Amy. Oh, like, that's oh, that's just oh, that was too much of a close-up for that size, oh, Lugie. Stomach churning. She was our only child. And that was chunky. The idea of reliving her it's death. Like a bowl of soup. He always. It was just so. <laughs> You're welcome, audience. Did she die? <laughs> well, we have to be descriptive. She went in for minor <laughs> surgery, 
and got some post-op infection. Hmm. Same story. I want to find out how many people died in that hospital a week before and a week after. Get the names just... Now, this is 1999, so that's a pretty advanced cell phone Bobby's rocking. Yeah, it's only the size of a shoe. Listen, but Lucy, I gotta say, like, get the names and have Jimmy, Dill's Lindsay, and Eugene all the contact stops. the families and find out cars, how they died. He's got and this has to be done locations. now. Rebecca, you may have a little bump here. What do you mean bump? There was an internal police investigation regarding the shooting. I just found out about it. I promise you. Here's the report. The shooting surrounding this arrest? Yes. Officer Helms evidently once claimed he wounded the suspect on the balcony. Now, he's since backed off it, but blood was found on the balcony. The sample was lost. Oh, shit. Excuse me, lost? I don't know what to say. If you want to move for a mistrial, I won't oppose. And that's the prosecutor acting very honorably there. What? We're late into it. If the man on the balcony was... I smell some bullshit. You smell it's wounded, some bullshit? Wounded, and that clears Byron Little. The officer said he was wrong about wounding him. Oh, come yeah, this on. judge is not going to allow the mistrial. Entire trial First of all, the state has a duty to turn over all exculpatory evidence. I'm just getting oh, this yes. report now. He just got it. Second, this is material. This completely affects how I would have cross-examined Officer Helms. You can recall him. And they say they lost the blood sample. I need time to investigate. Look, counsel, they caught your man running down the stairway. But he's been saying he wasn't the man on the balcony, and that blood may prove it. How? The officer claims he did not wound the suspect. That means the blood is irrelevant. I'm not throwing out this trial. You can't be serious. Look, young lady, you may be used to having your clients freed on stunts and technicalities, but not in my court. They withheld material evidence. The trial goes on. You can recall the officer and recross him. That's all. I smell some appeals on their way. Well, not the least of which the judge shackled and muzzled the defendant in front of the jury of course there are. which clearly was like some racist dog whistling shit yeah. too he was turned into the star witness against his father a father who he had an estranged relationship with a father as you can see by the psychiatric reports gary lived for his approval and rarely got it here he is a kid with with a drug history Emotionally unstable. So we still don't really know he what happened with this kid and the to father, put right? His dad away no. for life. He couldn't How do it. How old is he supposed to be, you think? He couldn't do it. I don't think he's a minor, so over 18. The law insulates yeah. us from having to testify against a spouse. Well, a son's connection with a father can be just as powerful. Gary Armbrust isn't a bad kid, Your Honor. We all know that. He just couldn't go through with sending his dad to prison. Eleanor's doing a good job here. Yeah. That's a good close-ish. So is Rebecca, though, so we're going to have an oopsie, yes. an oopsie dog fight. The law does <clears throat> protect spouses from giving testimony against each other. But there's no such immunity when it comes to father and son. And they don't get to just make up a law because in their minds, the love is just as powerful. What's at stake here is the integrity of this process. He committed perjury. He lied under oath. And if we tolerate it, we have to consider the worst case scenario. The day may come where witnesses lie to help free premeditated murderers. 
This case, this case is the worst case scenario. A murderer is walking free because the defendant committed perjury. Your Honor, you and I, you and I walk into this courtroom every day without clients. In essence, She's we work it. for the room. She's losing it. What he did to this room and technicalities and, and fourth amendments, it, he killed her and stuffed her in a closet. He killed what? a nun. He... Oh, Helen, you oh, need a vacation. Oh, no. Helen? Keep your cases straight, Helen. I'm sorry. Not good. The subtext he, became text. He lied. We work for the room, Your Honor. But do you know what room you're in? Keith, I know what room I'm about to be in, and that room is the bathroom. Because I've been hydrating, hydrating, and hydrating, and just to stay safe and, 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 and keep my system flushed, and that system needs to be flushed. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta pee is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, we'll be back Kids, to- this was the most elaborate- <laughs> Preamble. It was like closing time when you just had to take a leak. We also didn't play the closing time bumper, but uh No no no. Well you know what? I will I will do the close on you peeing. So run, run, I'll do it. No, we're gonna patch back in. We're we're gonna Ladies shut and gentlemen, we're shutting her down. The time <laughs> okay. comes oh boy. when a man must expel the no, unnecessary no, no. I'm things shutting it from down his in life. Three, two, one. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Helen just uh, had it go. Had it go. Did it come out all right? Yes. Uh, it you was... didn't. You didn't have an oopsie. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> the room. That was a big fuck up on her part. Yes, it was. Helen, you need a vacation. So I guess it isn't really I did say anything once more that than I her I wounded him, being pissed off wrong. about the nun And what thing. suddenly convinced you you yeah. were wrong? When we caught him, he wasn't wounded, so I obviously was wrong. Or maybe the man you shot at, the man shooting at you, was not the same man you chased in the stairwell. No, it was him. I saw his face. Hmm. And what about the blood that was found? That was old, dried blood. In this report... I first it... thought it was fresh, because in my excitement, I thought I wounded him. But it was old, dried blood that had been there. And did you test this blood to deter... Objection. Relevance. Sustain. Your Honor, the jury will disregard any mention of blood. blood it has no relevance whatsoever. Counsel, step what up. What do you mean? Of course it has relevance. Those blood samples could exonerate my client. He can't know it's old blood, and the fact that those samples were somehow... There will be no mention of blood. It's not relevant. And if you mention the police losing it, you buy yourself a jail cell. I am just trying... This trial will... Keith, it's time for Rebecca to join the a very illustrious club of being thrown in jail by the judge. Yeah, right. Meanwhile, Judge Wackadoo is becoming a fun villain. Yeah, what a crazed pot. Hmm, that's not a word. ...will not be prevented by sleazy defense lawyering. I've had about enough of you already, damn it! Whoa. You need to take some time off. Yeah. Maybe go to a spa. I'm not losing my mind, Lindsay. I... You just mixed up defendants. You called the perjurer a nun-killer, Helen. I'm worried about you. I mean, you. You've had this look in your eye lately and your voice and... 
Will they give you some time off? I think so. Dylan's the director, so probably. It's just not fair anymore. What's not fair? Tell me what's not fair. My sister has a radio. Your sister has a radio? She has a nice job at an insurance company. She gets to sit at a desk. And she plays her radio. You can't play a radio in your office, She can Helen? hear music during the day. What's stopping you? Just once, I'd like to turn up the radio in that room. I can't figure out how it works. Sing the bad days away. Hmm, that's pretty shlo sloppy writing. Sing there. away. Although she's acting the shit out of it. She really is. I watch the practice at my desk at work. If I have to take do you sing the bad days away, Keith? I sure do, actually. Yeah, actually, you that's exactly what Quite literally, that's yeah. what I do. Maybe not so schlocky. Four patients in three days. All routine surgeries, all dead from streptococcus sepsis. Your hospital had a bacteria. Four cases does not constitute an outbreak. All the same strain? In Four three in the days same day? and you don't tell him? He asks what happened, you just leave that out? The other patients have privacy rights. I just can't reveal their case histories. Is that what you Eugene has spent this entire episode being fucking fed up. He hasn't like rolling said a word, his eyes in the background. But he is like these fucking people. That's because Steve Harris is say, like when I recall you I'm an extra seven in this million episode. dollars yep. today. I haven't said a word by the health marshal. He didn't get paid as an extra. To get you a trip to the overseer. No, he's I'll a very it. well paid extra. I'm tempted to call the district attorney. This borders on corporate murder. I'm sorry, she's busy singing that the blues away in her office. You had a Trying lethal strain of bacteria get a radio to work. and you shat on it. You shat the on marshal it. The might close your doors to investigate it. Three hundred thousand a day. That'll run you two to three million, and that's just an actuals. The long-term damage could be worse. That's probably why you concealed the outbreak in the first place. You were afraid the health marshal would move in. You'll pay the seven today and be grateful. And I don't care how you split your policies. You fuck. Yeah, Dylan McDermott. Yeah. That was great. Bobby McRambo verbally. Although he is like. Helping them cover up an outbreak <laughs> in their hospital. Yeah, well, at least he's not taking the corpse of a baby to the back parking lot entrance of a church and calling it a day. <laughs> Still haven't established negligence as to her cause of death. I can I establish a cover-up, and that's all I'll need, and we all know it. I can also participate in as often and as frequently as the script dictates. But those eyes, Keith. Yeah. I ask you what happened. And you look me in the eye. I mean, when he's say, editing his own know. episode, he's like, man, I'm dreamy. I am gorgeous. You look me right in the eye. Because of him, Arnold. We get sued for everything because of lawyers like him. Every patient that comes to the door, we have to look at as a potential plaintiff. Oh, well, his business partner is fucking disgusted. There was nothing I could say after they could bring her back. That's the so father why of the victim. even volunteer oh. the truth? Yeah, sometimes you so, yes. lie, Mr. Donnell. Milton. I'm talking in general. Lawsuits have driven the truth underground, Mr. Donnell. Well, this one dug it up. Yeah. Good line. I take it back. I'll have uh, to discuss writers. all of this with the board before I get David back Kelly. To you. You're yeah. authorized to settle. Not at that amount. Well, then go talk to them.
I thought he was a good man. He probably is. Ladies, stop the presses. Steve oh. Harris has a line. <laughs> you know, I wonder how long it took him to memorize his lines that day. <laughs> That's what's so sad about it. Oh, oh, he had more. See, I feel like uncovering a covered up case like that feels like it should be a multiple episode arc, not a sea story. Should we closing time Rebecca here? Oh, we definitely, definitely should. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. For the defense of chained and duct-taped mouth defendant, Rebecca D. Cricket. How did it happen that we can't trust the police? I mean, this is an institution that's supposed to protect us. Meanwhile, I don't doubt whole, these officers the think of this Byron Little case is, race, is the guy. They but tackled him in the stairwell after they saw the man on the balcony run into the stairwell. It's completely reasonable to believe it must be the same guy. Hey, I did. I mean, one look at him. He looks like your typical urban criminal. He acts violent. And we all know our Honorable Your Honor thinks he's the guy, too. But mistakes and cover-ups, those are two very different things. One of the officers said he wounded the suspect. Blood was even found on the balcony, though it's been deemed irrelevant for the sake of this trial. But when they examined Mr. Little back at the police station, they found no wound. And suddenly the officer amends his account and says he must have missed. And they march into this court and positively identify him as the shooter. They see him 30 feet above on a darkened balcony for three seconds tops, all the while being shot at, and yet they're positive. Not it looked like him, not it was probably him, Definitely him. How can that be? And why start hiding internal reports from the defense lawyers? Why forget to mention the blood? Why come in with all this absolute positive eyewitness accounts? Why forget to tell us, oh yeah, one of our officers who was so positive wasn't so positive before he changed his mind? Why not just be upfront with what you got? Why? Because without all that absolute positive stuff, they lose him. They lose the guy they think did it. And let's be fair, they lose so many. And I know it turns stomachs. It's turned our honorable your honor stomach so he thinks nothing now of taping criminal defendant mouths shut, handcuffing yes. them, making them look guilty hey it's his court he's old he's probably had enough and he doesn't care but the thing about juries it tends to be their one and only time serving this process so they tend to take it seriously and not just rush through it with a bunch of assumptions and therein lies byron the jury only hope they're it's all not with white the police it's not with our honorable your honor 
It's with you. You have two choices here. You can hold up the oath you took at the beginning of all this, or not. Maybe guys like this were not supposed to care. Yeah, Rebecca. So, <clears throat> I am prone to hyperbole. Yes. But I will say that I will say that if it's not the best, it's in the top five acted, performed closings we've had in the entire series thus far. Yeah. Really just compelling, compelling work. I, I would Fighting for the underdog. Comprehensive, like getting in so many different pieces of defense there. It's possible that when the series started, they had plotted to eventually make Rebecca become a lawyer, but the more I watch her, the more I think they just saw how talented she was, and they were like, we have to get her, we have to change this character. I'm sh- Yeah, I'm sure they did. Like, it had to have been an audible that they called. They're like, yeah. oh, shit, wow, she's, we are not using our resources well, having her as the secretary. She's been great in so many episodes, but if, I think season three, episode 21 is, is Lisa Gig Hamilton's, like, thus far, her best Rebecca. Yeah. Great power suit, too. Yeah. Her suits fit better than Bobby's, usually. Two eyewitnesses this is Paul saw F. him shoot the gun. Saw him run into the stairwell. They pursued him into the stairwell and caught him. Sometimes we just want things to be all juicy and complicated when they're not. Were there other people in the stairwell? Like, it, I mean, that is a. That's... It was just cops, yeah. Meanwhile, I have. A fan, old timey fan. Uh, I, I have to say Mike. that dude has a legit Boston accent. Yeah, that was good. Oh, now we're getting the oh, okay, verdict. How difficult it must be to be faced with testifying against one's own father, especially when that testimony could result in life imprisonment. But I am also mindful of the court's need to assure the integrity of this criminal justice process. Perjury is to be taken very, very seriously. I know you know this. I think boy meets jail I know jail you here. were apprised of the risks. Nevertheless, you chose to assume those risks. In fact, given these warnings, your commission of perjury was particularly knowing. I sentence you to 20 years. Holy shit! The sentence is to begin immediately. Bailiff. We're Unbelievable. Is that even possible? Gary, I want you to hang in there. We're going to appeal. Possible. We're going to appeal. Oh, Rebecca. I mean, years. Eleanor. Fuck. So, Nunchopper is walking free, but I didn't want to send my dad to prison. Goes away for 20 years. Is that what Helen wanted? Mm, I don't Look know. Look on her face says no. But this happened because she made it happen. Wow. 
Not getting the outcomes we were expecting. <laughs> How'd it go? Not good. Shit. There, at least we got we our jovial moment of just Jimmy laughing in the office. <laughs> it's like, hi! Shooting the shit with uh, Eugene and Lucy. <laughs> Is that how you shoot the shit? Yeah, that was it. She got front down. <laughs> that was a front pun. Ooh. Tell me. He's just a kid. He got afraid at the last second. He didn't want to hurt his dad. What'd he get? Maximum. 20 years. God, Eugene, what have I done? Hey, this isn't on you, Eleanor. If I would have come down on him harder, if I would have just anticipated a felony murder... This isn't... On you. Great scene between both of them. God, yeah. this, they've been acting their asses off this episode. He's going away for 20 years. Keith, this is the second time where the underscoring has really aped Barbara's adagio. Yeah, well, that's most underscoring does. Listen to it again, though. He's going away for 20 oh. years. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's like note for note. Yeah, you're totally right. It's it's the uh, adagio Will the for fake strings. Rise? <laughs> okay, now has we're... the jury reached a unanimous verdict? We got to get one win here. What say you? On the matter of the Commonwealth versus Byron Little, on the charge of attempted murder. Great We find by the Dylan defendant here. not guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Unlock him, let him go. You know, Jury's they're free, generally not guilty, but this is one of the more vindicating ones. Yes. Satisfying. Way to go, Rebecca. He's going to say he did it or something. No, okay. <laughs> that would have been a lot. He didn't even say thank you. He just walked out. Pulled the tape sure off did. and walked the fuck out. You're welcome. Yeah, Rebecca, you just won a murder case. You better sit there and think about how awesome you were. Kudos to Dylan McDermott, too. This, The direction, the, the cinematography, everything about this episode was, was pretty damn good. Really solid. Wow, okay. Yeah, see? He really should have directed more things. You know what, uh... Oops, that's that, that's not right. That's not right. Incorrect. Oh, oh god. Oh god. He needed to direct my finger to the right place because the right thing to listen to now is, ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present. Oopsie. The oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies?
Okay, it's this award, the second to last Oopsie Awards of season three, or third to last. Because I'm, I'm an episode ahead, because I've been, I've been getting ahead, so I'm an episode ahead. All Ooh. right, first up. I think we're on the same page here. It's your first murder case, and you've got the judge against you. You've got your own client against you. You've got your client duct taped and chained to a chair. All of the forces are against you, but yet you prevail by sheer will and and skill. I think Rebecca D. Cricket wins this week. Yes, indeed. Yeah, all, everything you said, exactly. Rebecca crushed it. Happy to see it. Next up. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. The first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. So. Um. What's his name? We had a lot of a lot of great work done here, but I think for me at least, uh, Rebecca's win. The hero can only really prevail when given a ample foe to face off against, and I really liked the sort of wackadoo antagonistic performance by uh, Judge Hollings. Correct? No, no. Judge Philip Swackheim. Oh yes, that that one. What's that guy? I don't. My IMDb cast list is not complete. Ha! You're looking for Paul Dooley. Yes, that's my vote. As Judge Philip Swackheim. Yeah, he did a great job, and I'm excited to know that he's going to be back, and we're going to have a really interesting uh, antagonist for some stuff here. Uh, however, my vote goes to Rockmond Dunbar as Rebecca's client. Mm. who I thought it's tough to do out of control without being over the top. And I think he really was able to somehow be completely out of control. And so much so that he's shackled to a chair and yet still uh, doing it well. And I think created an interesting character. You could see that, I don't know, like it's in very clearly mentally ill yeah um but did a did a really good job so all right so we have a split oopsie between rockman dunbar and paul dooley congratulations next up you killed your podiatrist or blew the case but you let a single tear run down your face you're the best actor on the show from start to fi- first of all, once again, we've been patting a lot of people in the back lately, but across the board, excellent performances across the board. Yeah, truly. Really one of the best acted episodes, maybe of the season. I, there have been some great ones recently. I'm thinking back to Lucy's performance last week, or I should say Marla Sokolov. Just the main cast is just firing on all cylinders and up against, or in addition to the guest act. Everybody's been great, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Damn, what a great show. What a great show. I'm so glad I'm a fan of the show we do a podcast about. Hey, what do you know? 
I fight it. It took three seasons and twenty-one episodes, but we got Mike to be a fan. Woo! But that said, nobody lit a candle to Lisa Gay Hamilton, who put everyone on notice this week, saying, "Just know that if you give me more than one page of dialogue, I'm gonna win the oopsie." So <laughs> everyone stand. At attention and take note because Lisa's coming for all the goddamn oopsies. I'm giving her the oopsie doopsie this week. Best lawyer or most valuable lawyer and also best actor on the show. Rebecca Washington as portrayed by Lisa Gay Hamilton. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I thought I thought Cameron did some terrific work. Mm-hmm. I thought Laura Flynn Boyle did terrific work as well. Like you said, everyone is really, you know, bringing it uh, at this point in the season. But yeah, no, this is very clearly Lisa Gay Hamilton's episode. Congratulations on your oopsie doopsie for season three, episode 21, which brings us to the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. It's hard not to go here, so I'm going to just have to do it. You know, Tom is a, a national figure. He is in this, the limelight, he's in the spotlight. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Even now, with all eyes on him, but... That comes with responsibility. It does come with responsibility. And so, Tom, this week, is going to be a model for us all, Mm -hmm. and we are going to go with quarantined Tom Brady. Ah, self-quarantined, socially distanced (laughs) Tom Brady. Absolutely. (laughs) Congratulations, socially distanced Tom Brady. Now, Mike has gotten a text. There's... Important information coming in. I don't know why your phone was on the other side of the room. <laughs> it was ringing off the hook, so I decided to go and shut it down. But uh, yeah, Tom Brady. That's yeah, socially distanced Tom Brady. Okay, <laughs> that brings us to, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. I gotta tell you. Maybe it's that I'm incredibly stir-crazy and bored. Yeah. But I was riveted this week. I thought the writing was great. I thought the performances across the board were great. I, th- I loved that it was action-packed. No, There was no fat, really, to cut, as far as I can see. We jumped from courtroom to courtroom. Each of the cases not only felt interesting, which is obviously an important thing for a television show, but vi- hope, yeah. but but vital, right? Like like people's mental health and uh, and trust in what they do for a living and the system at, at large was on the line. Everything sort of was right on the. You could cut the tension with a knife across the board, uh, both personally and and what's the word I'm looking for? Yes, so. I really enjoyed it, I guess is what I'm getting at. Not only that, but we got to see our main characters really at the top of their game. And even Dylan, I thought the shots, you could definitely tell there was somebody different at the helm. I know that everybody's different usually week to week, but this, he he really brought his own sort of touch to it. I liked a lot of the close-ups. I liked a lot of the the way he was framing dolly shots. I just really enjoyed the episode. I'm going to give it eight spare tires. Eight spare tires. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with you with all of that. I thought it was a really strong episode, really strong performances. The one th- 
thing I, I have I have two complaints. Okay, nits to pick. Two nits to pick. One, I th- I would have liked a little bit more exploration of race in mm. Rebecca's uh case because I think the judge's treatment of Rebecca's client clearly had a racial tinge to it. Um, and I think, you know, the cops were white. The suspect was black. I think that there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. And I would have liked to be, have that a little bit, uh, to delve into that a little deeper. Um, the other part, the, 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 the only, the only, a problem I had with it was the Dylan's case with the uh, the cluster of infections at the hospital felt a little rushed and a little mm. too simple. Uh, that could be a whole three episode arc if they really let that unfold. And so there's there's a couple of and actually in Rebecca's case too, the. Uh, district attorney going to her with the fact that there was discrepancies from the police both of those cases had a little bit of like deus ex machinas like it was there's a little bit of there's some macguffins there that sort of just here's the solution Mm -hmm. to this problem so they they weren't digging for solutions they just sort of handed them um you know but sometimes it works out that way so uh but all in all very strong episode, so I'm going to give it 7.75 tires. You love to, to just eight. make that math. <laughs> the answer is math. So congratulations, you have gotten your way through season three. Wait, episode- wait, wait, wait. I promised and promised and promised. We have one extra oopsie this week, Keith. An, ooh, ooh, do tell. I forgot. Yeah. All right, so everybody listen up. I'm, I'm listening. The, see, the bumper's interesting because the bumper not only introduces the oopsie, but also the winner of it. Oh, okay. And I want to point out that I stayed on brand. This was a song released in the 90s, so... Okay, good. Here we go. The cat sitter of the week, oopsie, it's seldom brought out, but we've dusted it off and we've awarded it to Keith Varney for not only keeping our cats healthy, but for putting up for my spying eyes, checking in on him via closed circuit camera and making sure that he wasn't getting too friendly with my cats, if you know what I'm saying. What? But since we probably won't hear it again, since no one's leaving their apartment for the next month and a half, uh, let's just roll it one more time. I am so honored and touched, although I'd be a little more honored and a little more touched if I hadn't just been insinuated that you were making sure I wasn't fucking your cats. 
shit. That definitely would have made that <laughs> a nicer gender. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, while you're in self-quarantine... Oh, my goodness. Go ahead and join the jury. Or just write us an email and tell us what you're doing with your time. You can do so by writing to us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Or check out all of the great work Keith does on our social media, at Out of Practice Podcast on Instagram or Facebook slash Out of Practice Podcast. Additionally, if you are planning on throwing us any dollars this month, don't do it. Take those dollars and find a, an organization, the CDC, the American Red Cross, anyone you can help, and spend your dollars wisely that way. We encourage you, yours, to practice social distancing. Listen to as many podcasts as you can. Wash your hands for 20 seconds. Sing the Out of Practice podcast theme song twice. That should. Uh, co- That's three minutes. Yeah, that should cover quite a wash. Uh, <laughs> If you have any elder relatives or neighbors, see if you can help them out by grabbing them stuff from the market. And just be safe and don't panic. Stay some levity and be safe. Did I mention and being safe? Your, yeah, and support your local businesses, uh, small businesses who are being hurt by this. Uh, help them out. Buy tickets to shows and don't go. Help yes. out the theaters. And one thing proven to kill all viruses, laser sounds. Laser sounds!